everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. Today is Friday, November 27th. It's Meet My Friend Friday. And you guys know that I love to have thought leaders on the show with me, people who are engaged in the culture and who love the Lord and who are willing to get off the bench and onto the battlefield. Today is no different. You guys are going to be so blessed and encouraged because my friend, uh, Kathy Barnett, is here with me on the show today. We're going to have an awesome conversation. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So thanks for tuning in today. A couple things before I get started uh, talking with my friend, Kathy, wanted to let you guys know that we're getting ready right now to start a brand new month of the Bible study at MomStrong International. We're jumping into the seal judgments and into the trumpet judgments. You guys, there are so many similarities, so many things happening right now in the culture that lets us know that the return of the Lord is at hand, that, uh, that we can be looking up, looking to the sky. The Bible teaches us that the Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that. And one of the things I love about my guest today is I know that she's ready for it also. Uh, I had the privilege of meeting Kathy by phone a couple of years ago. And the first time I talked to her on the phone, I thought, I have met my sister from another mother. This woman is fired up. She knows what's going on. She loves her family. She loves the country. And uh, she's going to make a difference. And in fact, she is my friend. Kathy Barnett has appeared regularly on national TV and radio shows. She's been on uh, Fox News. She's got an awesome book out called Nothing to Lose Everything thing to gain, being black and conservative in America. And right now she's in a race for her life in the congressional district, the fourth congressional district in Pennsylvania. She is running for Congress. Hey, my friend, Kathy, welcome to the show. Hello, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I am so we, I'm so glad that you finally made it on here so we can talk about all the things that are going on in the culture and sort of let the audience in on the phone calls that you and I have, because I wish I had recorded those. <laughs> I know, right? Because <laughs> we just go in on so many different areas of life, right? We're, we're not monolithic people. We don't live in silos, or at least I don't, and I know you don't. And so, right. you know, so our conversations tend to go in all types of directions. <laughs> Yeah. And that's, that's what makes it fun. Right. I mean, that's what, that's because if you, you know, people said to me, uh, in fact, I just did a Facebook live about it a while ago. Someone said, you know, Heidi St. John, you need to stay in your lane. Like your lane is homeschooling. I'm like, no, my lane is, my lane is faith and faith covers all the lanes. Faith should be in everything. And uh, I know that's the story of your life. So before we get jumping into, uh, you know, politics and all the things, I really want to introduce my audience to you so they get to be familiar with you. You've spoken with me out on the road. You have a passion for uh, helping women to follow Jesus with everything they have. Tell uh, people about where you came from, sort of a little bit of your history, and then we're going to keep the train moving because uh, I can't wait for people to get to know you better. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, I often start off, uh, you know, just by introducing myself as um, I was a little black girl who grew up on a pig farm in southern Alabama. I grew up below the bottom rung of the economic ladder. I grew up in a home with no insulation, no running water, an outhouse in the back and a well on the side. But because no one told me I was a victim, because no one told me I was oppressed, 
and that I might as well not try because I'm black and I don't have those kind of privileges. I became the first in my family to go and finish college. I spent 10 years in the U.S. Army Reserves where I was accepted into officer candidacy school. I spent time in the financial industry, uh, worked worked in corporate finance, worked as an adjunct professor of corporate finance, authored my first book that you alluded to, Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain, Being Black and Conservative in America. And now I am the first black person to ever run for Congress in my district. So I often say to people from um, a pig farm to now being a candidate for Congress, um, only God and only in America. Mm, And so good. That's a message that needs to get out there just loud and clear because uh, we've begun in this country this very dark descent into victimhood. We love ourselves a victim. We want to be seen as a victim and we want to make people pay for it. And when uh, when you grew up that way, I loved that you highlighted, you know, just the fact that no one told you that you were a victim. And you and I have had this conversation before I grew up uh, in a Christian home, but my home, it was an abusive home home. You know, my father was, uh, you know, we had a, a, a more than our fair share of stints with the local law enforcement. It left me with all kinds of emotional scars and physical scars also, but no one ever told me that I was a victim. And in fact, I remember, you know, uh, one of my teachers at school, she was like, Heidi, what uh, you put, put your mind to it, work hard. No one said, boy, you know, that's what, that's just what happens when you come from a family like that. Uh, and it's not true because God had a plan for you. And God had a plan for Heidi St. John. And actually, I think coming from where you came from and coming from where I I came, it shapes you, right? Oh, most definitely, right? I mean, um, I often told my constituents here that I was made for this moment. Um, When I was in my mother's womb and God was forming me together and, you know, and he had already mapped out all the days of my life that uh, I was made for this moment, for exactly where we are today. We need people who understand that there is such a thing as right and wrong. Um, And that is what I bring to the table, whether it is about poverty. I know exactly what poverty feels like, tastes like, looks like. I remember standing in front of an an empty refrigerator door and wondering where my next meal was going to come from. I remember very vividly, you know, sitting in a dark room because my mother, my single parent mother, could not pay both the rent and the light bill. Um, And so, you know, and then our and then our country and specifically even in my district, although my my district is the second wealthiest county in the state of Pennsylvania, there are a lot of disparities in this county. And so I can speak to that. You know, when you were talking a few moments ago about, you know, about no one telling you that you are a victim and me, you know, uh, no one, I never remember anyone telling me I'm a victim, sit back and don't, don't worry about it. Instead, I remember my mother coming home from, it must have been a brutal day <laughs> um, at mm. work. She worked at, um, she, she was a manager in a fast food restaurant and it must have been a really brutal day. She walked in, I was standing in the living room. She walked in, she slammed the door. She looked at me and she said, Kathy, you're black you're poor and you're a woman. What are you going to do about it? And then she just Mm. stormed off into her bedroom and I didn't see her anymore that day. But I remember thinking then, and I've thought about it often, uh, what are you going to do about it? It wasn't, Mm -hmm. 
um, you know, the odds are against you go somewhere and sit down. What I believe my mother was trying to tell me and, and definitely what I took out of that was what are you going to do about it? Like these are the circumstances of your life. And I did not choose how I was conceived. Um, I did not choose where I was born or the economic, the socioeconomic status of my life. And yet what am I going to do about it? And I believe like no other country Amer in America, you actually get to, to create a plan and to and to have a response. And some of these socialist communist country, there's not a whole lot you can do about the circumstances of your life. But in this country, um, it's, America is not a perfect country, but there is no one running a close second. Um, and in this country, you get to choose. You get to make some choices and decisions um, about where you want your life to go. Mm, it's true. And your life, I mean, you your life really has brought you, I mean, God's been so faithful to you and brought, you've done some amazing things. And now you're not only you're running for Congress, but you, you're a homeschool mom. I can see there's a whole bunch of women listening to this right now going, what? You don't, you know, uh, one of the things that, that I, you know, I had uh, the privilege the other day of talking to uh, Dennis Prager on the phone for a little while. And he said, what's your message uh, to homeschool moms? You know, because people, women especially think, well, if I homeschool, that's it for me. I can't do anything else. It's not true. So we get to determine what is, what's important to us, what's valuable to us. And you, I mean, you and I had this conversation right before you threw your hat in the ring. And you were like, Heidi, I'm thinking, I don't know if I can homeschool my kids. Do you remember that, Kathy? Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, because, um, you know, I've homeschooled my, my children for the past six years. Um, my daughter has only been homeschooled. I started homeschooling my son when he was in third grade. Um, and just like that was a very challenging season in my life. I, I didn't have an example of what homeschooling looked like. Um, and I was very nervous about it. Um, you know, God was faithful. I mean, I, mm. I am, um, I do not regret a moment, you know, six years now looking back over that time. I don't regret it. And in fact, that too is a part of my makeup. I understand the significance of, of a good education and what a good education should um, encompass. So again, as one running for Congress, I bring that to the table as well. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, my children, everywhere I went, they went with me, whether I was in Fox News studios or whether we were at home in our basement studying, whether I was speaking at various events, my babies were right there with me. They're, um, you know, uh, I mean, just bright and brilliant yeah. <laughs> little people. Yeah. Um, it, and, 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 I, and I just love that they're very, um, you know, they're round in their understanding and their ability to speak. Uh, you know, to a variety of people. Yeah, and look what you're doing. I mean, just setting such a great example for them of really getting out there. Let's talk about your race for Congress. Was it what you were thinking it was going to be? Let's just Ooh. start there. <laughs> Let's start there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Listen, this was not on my bucket list. And when I called you early January, like generally people who are running for Congress, this is like a two year kind of race. Yes. I jumped in at the very last moment. Right. And I called you right before I made up my mind. Yep. Um, to actually do this. It was certainly not on my bucket list. Um, I wrote an entire book and nowhere in the book do I mention, e give even the inkling of an, uh, a thought 
of running for Congress. And I submitted my book um, in November of last year. And there was no thought of me doing yeah. that. Um, and, you know, but God. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> The plans of God. Um, and he was so faithful from beginning to end. It was, um, you know, I was very nervous about, uh, you know, putting my hat in the ring because most of us, you know, we think, po you know, uh, po politics is dirty. And it is. And we're looking at a lot of that dirt, uh, you know, gets thrown around all over the place right now. Um, but I tell you, I mean, we laughed and we enjoyed ourselves from the very beginning of this thing to the very end. Right now, you know, my heart grieves for uh, for my country, yeah. um, not so much for my own race as much as it is for my country, because I believe what's going on right now is bigger than my race, is bigger than President Trump's race. Uh, this is truly about the direction of this nation. And so my heart grieved in this moment. But as I look back over the over the campaign itself, over these 11 past 11 months, I mean, it has just I mean, I've seen the faithfulness of God and not only his faithfulness, but how how personable he is, how intimately um, involved he is in every single aspect. You know, I have a very A-type personality, but I had no idea how to run a race. I never ran for a public office ever in my life. And so, so much of this was new, but to see how God was so very personally involved in everything. I remember right when we were um, in the middle of the quarantine the first time back back in uh, March and April, I remember saying to the Lord, when I get out of this, when we get out of this, I'm going to need um, a campaign building. I don't want to wait till after we get out to have a building. I think we need one now. And I tell you no lie, two days later, a gentleman from California called me and said, hey, I have a building right around the corner from your from where you live, I, I think, or in your or in your area. Um, I would like to give that to you. Of course, you have to pay for it. Right. But um, but nonetheless, that is that was the faithfulness of God. Mm. Uh, he will lay a thought on my mind on my heart. And I would simply speak it back to him as though it was original thought mm -hmm. and true to form he provided. I remember starting this race and thinking to myself, how in the world am I going to come up with, you know, money? I don't have, I come from a pig farm in Southern Alabama. I can't write my check myself, a check for $200,000. Um, we ended this election or before November 3rd with over a million dollars Wow! with the average donation being $55, uh, less than 1% of what we raised or less than 2% of what we raised came from PACs. So overwhelmingly over 98% of what we raised came from individual donors with an average donation of $55. And we raised over a million dollars. I mean, that's God. Yeah, it is. And I think people, you know, who are listening to you, I know because you and I have had this conversation many times over the last uh, almost year now about the condition of our country and how it's going to take ordinary people you know, getting off the bench and onto the battlefield and off the sidelines of the culture, because we really have uh, kind of marginalized ourselves, right? As Christians, we put ourselves to the, uh, we keep our faith out of things and to be sure not to offend anybody. And we've hurt ourselves. And right before we started uh, recording, we were talking a little bit about a conversation you and I had last week, just saying that there has now fallen over this country, a general sadness 
And I know that you feel it and I feel it. And I think, I thought what you said was so good. I wrote it down. You said, Heidi, the sadness is real. Like it's real. And it's okay for us to talk about it. We don't want to live in that place, but we should talk about it, right? Because you're feeling it out there in Pennsylvania, like I'm feeling it in Washington state, right? Oh yeah. You know, I mean, because you can't help but to grieve for your nation. Um, if you have a pulse at all, um, in any sense of awareness, um, any sense of understanding, uh, you know that these are uncharted times and that our nation is in trouble. Um, you know, and, and really it doesn't matter if you're on one side of the political aisle or the other. I mean, anyone who has um, any any sense of awareness yeah. um, can see that our nation is in trouble. Um, and my heart grieves for her because I love my country. Uh, I remember being in the military and making a conscious decision that if I was called to lay my life down, for my nation, I would, and so many other people as well. And I still carry that sense of, um, you know, ownership. This is my country. Right. <laughs> I mean, we don't, I mean, most of us don't have anywhere else to go, right? America has always been that place for those who are fleeing communism and socialism and oppression. America has always been that place for them to go. Um, and I remember, um, you know, a group of Chinese people uh, joined my team. It, uh, they knocked on over 30,000 doors for me. Uh, they they bought, I think maybe at the by the end of it all, they had bought three b- large billboards for me. And they all said that they had never gotten involved in politics before, but they all came from um, China. Um, and they were fleeing communism and oppression. And they said what caused them to get off the bench and to get engaged at this moment and in my election is because they realized they have nowhere else to go. Where do they go? Back to China? They fled China. And, um, and, and, and listening to them, you know, I mean, it crystallized the fact for, uh, for me, um, we don't have anywhere else to go, the overwhelming majority of us. And so, you know, there's a great sadness to see what is happening with our country. It is sheer evil what is going on. Even when I look at my own race and not just at the president's race, although what happened in my race seems to mirror what happened, uh, what is happening with the president's race. Um, it's just sheer evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is no... I mean, like there's no real way of explaining some of the irregularities and anomalies that took place in this election. No, there is Other than evil. Yeah. And I, I was saying, you know, I think on a uh, Facebook Live I did the other day, I was just saying, look, I think conservatives are reasonable people. You know, if we lose an election fair and square, then we're going to scratch our heads and go, man, that's a bummer. We got to figure out a better way to do it next time. Maybe it's the messaging that's wrong. We got to do a better job of reaching the young people, whatever it is. But if you feel like an election has been stolen from you, that's an entirely different conversation. <laughs> and it sure it does seem like that's what's happening. You, there's no accounting for the irregularities for, uh, like in, in Clark County, Washington, I just saw Judicial uh, Watch put out a thing and they said that there in Clark County, Washington, there was over a hundred, there was over a hundred percent turnout, voter turnout. Kathy, that's never happened in the history of Clark County. But yet somehow here we've had over 100% turnout. And we had a whole bunch of things just like you do. We had a whole bunch of things 
up on the docket, right? And so, and you guys are, I mean, we're watching Pennsylvania. Everybody's on pins and needles. I mean, at the time of this recording, nothing is settled in Pennsylvania, right? No, it's not. You know, I mean, and talk about um, voter turnout. One of my precincts, um, it was 178% turnout. Like, how is that possible? That's crazy. <laughs> well, it's so obviously um, fraud um, at that point, right? And, 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 um, you know, several of my, uh, uh, precincts, which are more Democrat and progressive Democrat leaning, they had, you know, voter turnout upwards of 90 plus percent. I mean, anything over 80 percent historically is, um, you know, an overrun, right? Right. Like they begin to look at it as fraud. But in uh, one particular uh, district or area within my district, um, all of their precincts had 90 plus percent turnout. And then one of them happened to have 178 percent turnout. But not only that, I mean, we had over 2000 and uh, people who voted in my election and they're not on our voter roll, uh, meaning they're not they're not registered to vote in this district. Over half of that two hundred of that two thousand came from overseas. Uh, we had, um, I think, upwards of almost two hundred dead people who voted in my uh, district. The oldest being one hundred and sixty seven wow. years old. That's amazing. We had over uh, we had twenty two thousand two hundred seventy six people who were 70 years old and older who voted for the first time, according to our voter roll. So the first time in their lives, yeah. they're voting, yeah. right? Over 10,080 year olds and older yeah. voted for the first time. I mean, it's just, you know, the irregularities of it all. Yeah. Some um, doesn't smell that- right. We smell a rat. That's for sure. You know, the one that wakes me up and I think about it and I, I can see that I can see the bar chart, um, you know, um, I don't know if your voters know, but we are rated as as um, as voters um, on our frequency in voting. So if you vote every single time the door is open, you are assigned a voter frequency of five, and it goes from five, four, three, two, one, zero. So zeros would be zero frequency voters would be those who don't vote at all, right? They're registered, but they don't vote. In this election, uh, zero frequency voters voted at the exact same rate as the five. That's crazy. Uh, just it's crazy. really strange, uh, really odd. Um, I, I've seen my fourth report of um, those who do statistical analysis using my county, Montgomery County, as the example of voter fraud in this election. Well, and it's really, uh, this is a big deal because President Trump is still saying he can win. You know, if, and and I'm, you know, these are conversations, right, that are being held in every kitchen and every living room in America right now, particularly from conservatives, uh, because we know that right now, uh, the at least the statistics are saying that Biden got more enthusiasm and had more voters come out and vote for him than Barack Obama had at the height of his run for presidency. <laughs> As, and you're yeah, going, sleepy Joe yeah, Biden. sleepy Joe Biden, like the worst candidate ever in the history of the world. And somehow he got, he was able to get more enthusiasm than Barack Obama. What do you say to that? 
Yeah, no, I say no. no. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, but again, you don't even have to look at, you know, um, you know, at those abstract kind of, you know, uh sh- streams of logic. We could just look at the concrete of the things that we're that we have seen. Uh, for example, it's not a suggestion. It's not, you know, something to do if you have time and feel like it, but it is actually the law that you have poll watchers uh, to come in and to and to certify, to verify that those who are opening up the ballots are doing so according to the law. And when that doesn't happen, that's against the law. That is something that caused, I mean, the, the, the reason we have poll watchers is so that whether I win or lose, I will I will accept the the results, believing that, you know, I had my poll watcher Republican in there and someone who's a Democrat have their poll watchers in there. At the end of the day, I may not win, win or lose, but I will I will be okay with the results. Right. right? right. And when you and when you when you go over hell and high water and back to make sure that my poll watchers are not in there. You kick them out, you intimidate them, you stuff them in a room, a small room with small televisions uh, to, to try to, to see if they can uh, view what the uh, those who are opening up the ballots are doing. Or you joke about poll watchers having to use binoculars to figure out what's going on. That's a problem. It's against the law. I, I, I brought the first federal lawsuit in Pennsylvania um, you know, they did not give me access to where the mail-in ballots were being held until two days before the election. So on Sunday, I was able to go in. And when I did, immediately I see a bin um, with several thousand ballots sitting in it in the hallway, in the open. They're supposed to be under lock and key. And we noticed that they had been pre-canvassed. Well, pre-canvassing, touching, reviewing, uh, looking at the, you know, handling the ballot more than just putting it in a bag and locking it up. That's called pre-canvassing. That, too, is not a suggestion. It's not a request. It's, it's the law. And according to the election code, where you're not supposed to canvass ballots until 7 a.m. on election day when my poll watchers are there as well. Come to find out my district, which leans more Democrat than not, in certain parts of my district, they had a special machine that was going in and calibrating the weight of a properly filled out uh, mail-in ballot versus one that's not properly submitted. And then they were calling certain people to come in and to cure or to alter a ballot they had flagged as being submitted improperly. Well, how do I know you're not just calling Democrats and not also calling Republicans. What we do know is that they didn't call everyone. They only called certain people to come in uh, to, to cure or to alter their ballot. Again, that's against the law. Yeah. Uh, we also know that uh, although uh, Supreme Court Justice Alito uh, uh, not made, he didn't make a suggestion, but he uh, made made a declaration that those ballots that came in three days 
that came in after November 3rd was supposed to be set aside, there is no assurance that that was even done. So, I mean, so those are the concrete things that we know did take place that would cause this election uh, to be questionable. Yeah, it's absolutely right. And I know that in Cal or in Pennsylvania, the Republicans there have actually sued, right, to block the election certification because the fraud now is so in your face, you know, even if in, and actually blatant. it's so blatant and so obvious. Blatant. And at this point, and I would think that that the Democrat, you, that the Democrat party is dead. There is no Democrat party that I, it's definitely not the party of JFK. He wouldn't recognize the party anymore. Uh, but it seems to me like we're, we're having what it would be called, you know, leftism that's taking over this, this nation. And as our pastor said, this uh, Sunday in church, you can feel the evil encroaching. You can just literally feel it. And as you and I have talked, you know, about the election, you coming, you know, obviously way back before the Rona and, every, and everything else, just praying going into it. And we were talking about the importance of getting involved, not knowing any of this stuff was going to come up, had no idea. I mean, these guys have weaponized the virus, which frankly, I think was the point in the beginning, but that's a conversation for another day. But they've definitely weaponized it at this point. They kept people out of polling places. They kept you, you, you know, the mail-in ballots, everything, all in the name of the Rona, all in the name to keep people safe. And now this is the net result of that, right? But when you when you talk to Kathy, like women and, you know, even, you know, men around the country who like you, their hearts are so heavy for what they see happening. You and I have said for a long time, it's going to take a tidal wave of people saying, I got to get out of my kitchen and get onto the front lines. I got to stop being comfortable in my place of employment and start running for a library board. All of these big decisions that are being made federally really do start at the local level. And boy, we're learning a hard lesson right now. So what do you say to, how can you encourage people to get off the bench and onto the battlefield? Talk to the the mom right now who's sitting at home going, I just feel completely helpless. And then obviously we're going to talk about our faith too, but I really want you just to encourage that, that those people, the men and women that are listening going, I just have no idea what I could even do to help. Oh my goodness, right? Um, today, I'm probably going to tell them a little bit something different than what I would have said before November 3rd. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, before November 3rd, I was telling, you know, I'm, I was going to churches and different groups and, you know, just everywhere, right? That uh, we are the church. I am the church. Uh, in America, we have such idolatry with the with the four walls of a building and we call that church. I'm the church. And everywhere I go, Jesus goes with me. Yeah. Everywhere I go, um, a light is supposed to shine. Now, does that mean I'm, you know, egregious and aggressive? No, that's the left. I'm not bullying people. Um, but at the same time, as I mean, especially running in a district that leans, you know, more left than not, um, you know, I walked into a a number of circles. And when they would try to hold my faith to fire, um, you know, um, I stood up and, you know, and explained that those same amendments that they cling to applies to me as well. Um, and so, you know, and if Pete Buttigieg can quote the Bible, surely I can no quote kidding, it, right? right? And so, right. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, but, but that's when they were trying to pull up articles that I've written in the past where 
I've quoted Bible scriptures and not and not and stop hiding. Mm -hmm. You know, I was saying that message, you know, before November 3rd. And that's the same message I would say now. One, you are the church. Um, everywhere we go, uh, we are the church versus, you know, the mentality that I've seen in some uh, Christians is, you know, I'm just going to let my little light shine in the church building. Right. Right. It's easy and to so do it we there. Get busy. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. You know, so we join our little women's group and our little, you know, dance ministry and our backpack ministries, And we go to prison, you know, and like we have our prison ministry where we send, you know, Christmas card. It's easy doing that. Right. Because generally I'm surrounded by those who look like me, think like me um, and speak like me. Um, But that is not the church people. We are the church and um, and we are supposed to be going out there and living our lives, not necessarily quoting Bible passages, but living an authentic life, seeking God's will uh, for us in this moment. And then having the courage to say, here, here I am, Lord, send me um, and then being willing, because that's exactly what I did. Again, running for Congress is not something that was on my bucket list at all. I mean, I had a lot of plans for myself and running for Congress wasn't on, wasn't on any, the short or the long list. Um, And yet as God began to make it very clear that this is what he would have me to do. I simply started saying, here I am, Lord, use me, make me usable. I go. And although it has not turned out in the end, like I thought it would, I have not conceded my race. So I am still fighting this fight, but still, uh, whether I, you know, ultimately prevail or not, this is not what I thought we, I would be, uh, that I thought the end of this would be. I thought the election would be over three weeks ago. Now we're three weeks later. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, and we still don't have a definitive uh, 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 winner in many of our elections across this nation. Um, so it did not turn out the way that I I thought it would. And yet I stand saying, God, you are sovereign. You are still you still declare that you have the key, the keys of David, meaning you're sovereign. And he said in Revelation chapter three, whatever doors I lock no one else would be able to unlock and what i what what i what i open no man would be able to close and what i close no man would be able to open uh he is sovereign and with the word uh he can he can move mountains um he has a will in all of this you and i are very finite people uh so it is not our job to try to figure out what it is god is doing our job is to say here i am lord Use me, use me to accomplish your will, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What are you doing, Lord? What are the values and um, that you want people to hear about? Use me. Here I am, Lord. That is that is our job, whether before November 3rd and now after November 3rd is to begin to ask God, what would you have me to do? It's right. And you said last week, and I uh, I remember just, you know, as I often do when we're talking, I'm always jotting down little things you say, because you have all these little nuggets of things that you said. And one thing that you said to me last week that I wrote down was that um, God specializes in the impossible. Mm. 
You know, he wants us to come to the end of ourselves. Like, I, you know, God is resolutely committed to his own glory. Like he doesn't want, you know, us to go, wow, we worked so hard at that. And so that's why we did it. That's how we did it. No, he likes to, he likes to do the impossible. Like, wow, you know, raise people from the dead. You know, we, we thought that when that, <laughs> he can raise an election from the dead. Can't he? Can't he do that? Oh, you know what? Listen, I mean, you know, he didn't have to send them through the Red Sea. I mean, right. there's a number of other routes. Right, right. <laughs> he could have, right? But he specializes in the impossible. And before November 3rd, I, I recognized that I was in an impossible spot. But I was in a spot that God had called for me to, to be in. And I do not believe that he's a vindictive God. I do not believe he's sitting up in heaven somewhere, rocking in his chair, just trying to create havoc in our lives, but he has a purpose and I am still a part of that purpose. He is, I love how you said it, that he is committed to us, right? Yeah. And so it is not over. The fat lady may be clearing her throat, That's right. but she is not singing. <laughs> and so I am committed to seeing the will of God uh, take place. And I am committed uh, from as, as far as me and my house is concerned, I am committed to 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 aligning my life up with what it is that he has for me. He never said that he's going to call us into easy, but he has been faithful. And as I look back over this uh, election, he has been intimately involved in every single aspect of this election of my life. I have seen him. Uh, do some miraculous thing. I mean, again, I am a little black girl from a pig farm. There, no one in my family wrote a check for me. I don't even think I got $20 from any of my black friends or any of my uh, family members. And yet God provided um, over a million dollars. He has introduced me to people I would have never known otherwise. And he has shown me a faithfulness that I've read about in his word and I would walk around talking about, but um, I had never quite experienced it at this level. And I have seen that he is faithful. And so although there is a sadness that tries to creep in and almost like a blanket um, tries to, you know, uh, lay over me, I am committed to my God. I, I know too much to pretend that I don't know who he is. And the word that he gave me, because I am, you don't get off a pig farm and living and crawling your way from underneath a rock like I did and not be a fighter. I'm a fighter. And yet this is what uh, God has me sitting in. It's Isaiah 30, 15. In repentance and rest, is your salvation and quietness and trust is your strength. And then he goes on to talk about Israel will have none of it. Right. <laughs> but the whole, but that whole chapter started, start at Isaiah 30 verse 15 and go to the end of that chapter. And you see that it is God wants to get the glory. Yep. He, I noticed that from the very beginning of this election, of this campaign for me, that God will receive the glory. And all throughout, I saw how he set it up to where at the end of the day, only he 
would be able to receive the glory. And right now, I believe we're in a spot in America that needed to happen. (laughs) This did not happen overnight and this did not happen by coincidence. We needed to be in the spot where we find ourselves right now as a country and as a people. And I believe that God will receive the glory. I I am earnestly seeking. I mean, it is my desire that President Trump win. It's my desire that I I win, but but greater than myself, greater than President Trump, uh, even greater than uh, my nation, and that's a big one. I love my country. Too, yeah. um, even greater than that, I want to see the will of God um, come forth. Yeah, that's right. And and like we were saying the other day, you know, America is not our ultimate home. Heaven is our ultimate home. That's the destination, you know that that we're gonna that we're gonna be uh, ending up in, and we want to please the Lord right now with what He's given us to do. We're learning, you know, some hard lessons right now, and uh, we know that there's work to be done. Right? Whether Trump gets reelected, whether you win your race, or whether you don't, whether Trump wins or whether he doesn't, there's work to be done, and uh, we can't shrink away from it. And I'm hoping that more and more people will be encouraged and inspired watching. Uh, women like you get off the bench and onto the battlefield and and hold your head up high and do it for the sake of the gospel. And just to say, hey, that's what our first goal is, right? We're ambassadors. I love that the Apostle Paul, you know, when he said, it, you know, you are therefore Christ's ambassadors, it's as if he were making, it's as if God were making his appeal through you. And boy, there's so many churches right now that fail the litmus test. That God couldn't make an appeal through them if, uh, if you know, for all the tea in China, he couldn't make an appeal through them because they're not walking with him. And we're seeing this over and over again. And uh, it's one of the reasons I love you so much is just to hear your heart and passion for the Lord and for your family and for your children to stay in there, to stay, to stay in the race, to not give up. And uh, I know, Kathy, I know you well enough to know, girl, that whether you win this race or whether you lose it, you're not getting off the battlefield. And, uh, and we need more men and women like you to step off of the sidelines and, and get into the front lines. And I'm so grateful, uh, for, uh, for what you're doing and for how God's using you. And I know he's not done, right? No, he's not. He's not. Um, you know, but even if he is right, then if he should call me home, uh, you know, tonight, um, I want to hear him say, well done, yeah. my good and faithful servant. None of us know the day or the hour. Um, all I have is this moment and I am so determined to surrender each moment to him. Not perfectly. I fail quite often. Um, it's quite sad, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he is so faithful mm-hmm. and he has shown himself to be real. So if there's anything that I can leave your listeners with, it is the fact that he is real and he is a holy God and he demands a righteousness that you and I in and of ourselves do not possess. It is only when we allow Jesus, ask Jesus to come into our lives, do we have the ability to now be on the right side of history, to be on the right side of what it is that God is doing. So if you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I ask, I plead with you, and it is my prayer that you will ask Jesus to come and to live in your heart and to show you what it means to be Christ-like. 
Amen. Amen. And I think uh, I'm going to leave it there because there's no better way uh, to end a conversation, whether it's about politics or whatever it is that we, the the whole world needs Jesus. And uh, I'm praying that this, what's happening in our country is going to draw people to the Lord and to the only one who can really bring peace and wholeness and healing. And you are a treasure. And I'm so, I'm so thankful to call you my friend. I'm thankful for you taking some time to come and talk to our audience today. Where can people find you online, Kathy Barnett? What's the best way to kind of lurk around and see what you're doing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm all over the place. I think I'm everywhere except TikTok. I I refuse to go on TikTok. Don't do it. But I think I'm... I think I'm a little bit of everywhere. Facebook, uh, my website is Kathy Barnett for Congress.com. Uh, Kathy Barnett for Congress.com. You can pick up my book that talks about my life, my journey, um, and um, my love for our nation and what I believe we need to do um, as Americans to get back on the right foot. You can pick that up at uh, everywhere books are sold and specifically Amazon and Barnes and Noble. All right. Well, you know, I already have the book and I highly recommend it. And for those of you who are interested, I will link back to Kathy's book in the show notes today. And I know you guys are going to join me in just uh, praying for Kathy. Kathy obviously has a love for the Lord and a love for his word. We've been talking all things revelation uh, lately. And, uh, and so we're excited for uh, you guys just to be joining us in that journey as well. My friend, thank you so much for coming on the show. When this thing all plays out, we'll have to get on here and talk about it again. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I adore you, Heidi, and your beautiful family. You're such a testament. I'm so grateful to God that he introduced us. I am as well. Thank you. On this side of heaven. I'm sure I would have found you on the other side, but on this (laughs) side of heaven, I'm very grateful that God introduced us. (laughs) I am as well. He's good, isn't he? He is. He gave us a head start on, um, you know, on eons of years that we will have together later. I I could not agree more. We're looking forward to that. You guys, I hope you've enjoyed this interview with my friend, Kathy Barnett. For more information on Kathy, go to the show notes today and I will link back to all things Kathy Barnett. And I'm going to encourage you to continue to pray for the election. Continue to pray that truth prevails, that uh, judges listen to truth. And if there is uh, election fraud coming, that'll be brought to light. I believe what Kathy said is completely true. This is not just about a race in Congress or a race for the president. There is something going on that is worldwide and we need to just come against it in the name of Jesus. And in the meantime, you guys were called to be faithful. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend and I'll see you back here on Monday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.